welcome to the Data Leadership Lessons Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony J. Algman. Data is everywhere in our businesses, and it takes leadership to make the most of it. We bring you the people, stories, and lessons to help you become a data leader. We've partnered with Dataversity to provide listeners with 20% off your first training center purchase with promo code AlgmanDL. Go to dataleadershiptraining.com to learn more. Today on episode 81, we welcome Marius Moscovici. Marius has over 20 years of experience in analytics and data warehousing. Marius is the CEO of Metric Insights, the leading provider of a BI portal that helps organizations organize their BI environments and ensure users are getting the actionable data they need. Marius, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be here. So why don't we start like we do with all our first-time guests. Just take a few minutes and kind of give us the story of your career and how those earlier experiences led you uh, to doing what you do now. Well, so my career started way back in the day here. I'm kind of like an old as dirt here. <laughs> I, uh, I started in 1989 uh, with Oracle, and I was uh, just doing sort of, you know, consulting for them, building databases with um, uh, Oracle version 6. For the, those of you that have a gray hair there in the audience, uh, may, may, uh, I may be familiar with that. And, uh, and, and you know, it's... Um, it was a long journey. I, I implemented lots of it. Sort of just at that time, it was all build your own kind of analytic solutions from scratch. Uh, and uh, four years in, I started a, a business intelligence consulting company. And, you know, because I really loved this whole data warehousing, which was really just emerging at that point, that whole idea of, you know, bringing all the data together and doing analysis and reporting. And... Um, we, uh, I, I had a consulting company that that uh, that was uh, worked probably over a hundred different companies out in the Bay Area in San Francisco, uh, and, and you know was did that for about ten years. Uh, sold that company, uh, then uh, went and became the the BI um, uh, head of BI for Linden Lab, which is a virtual reality company, makers of Second Life, uh, and um, and then after a few years of running that, uh, decided to start uh, to start Metric Insights and started that and been doing that uh, ever since uh, so it's been over 10 years of doing that and so it's been it's been a pretty fun ride it did everything from the really big companies to the uh, lots and lots of consulting you know I've, I've seen hundreds of different organizations and how they work with data and uh, really you know did ended up with metric insights as, as really the, the thing that I'm most most passionate in my life as, as a culmination of you know how, how it is I think for many of us right we we do so many things in our life and they all sort of become building blocks and eventually you end up doing the thing that really feels like it's 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 a true call because it pulls all the pieces together. So that, that's kind of my experience. That That's awesome. And to have had the experience of consulting, working for large organizations, working for client organizations, product experience, like you've been all over the place. And then to find, okay, this is what your life's work is ultimately about, building metric insights and, and um you know, taking that on another entrepreneurial journey, because you did the entrepreneurial thing with consulting as well. Um Help me understand, because this fascinates me. I love the entrepreneurial journey. That's something that I've dabbled with. I've done it in, in various contexts before. And similarly, I've worked for large organizations and consulting and all of that. But I am fascinated by when you think about becoming an entrepreneur, and there's infinite options of what you can do. You can go and buy a company. You can just run it. You can, you can create something from scratch. You can do a product company. You can do services companies. You can do whatever that is. How did you land on metric insights and while you're talking about that like help us understand what is it about metric insights what do you do and why is that the thing after all of this experience you had i love that 
uh, that story. Yeah, no, I think, I, Anthony, I think you, you struck on something there. That everyone sort of, when they go into their entrepreneurial journey, those entrepreneurial journeys are incredibly hard, right? Like it's just, I mean, I've heard that sort of described as chewing glass, you know, because you're, especially with a startup, you're constantly, you know, just there's so much pain coming at you and you're trying to figure out what to do. So, so it has to be something, I think, if you're, you're going to be successful, you have to choose something. It's not really that you're choosing something, I think. It's that that thing mm-hmm. is choosing you is, is really the way that I felt in both times, both the consulting practice and, and I think very much even more so uh, doing what I'm doing now on, on, with, with the product. And, and, I, and I think for me, it, it's been about sort of really feeling like after all these different implementations that I was involved with, so many different companies, high tech, low tech, uh, large, small, finding the, just these common problems and pain points around business intelligence. So I, so I was mm-hmm. always passionate about data, just for me, even coming out of, out of school and I looked at, I was actually an engineer by trade, electrical engineering, but when I looked at the different job options that I had, I was drawn to working with data because I thought, you know, that, that it just unlocks so much power, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I think your audience obviously feels that, that that's the this is a data-centric podcast. And I think that, you know, there just feels like so much, so much, it's a, it's a mystery, it's a puzzle to solve. So it, it, it gives you this kind of intellectual uh, curiosity, the dimension that you work with. And, but then it's, it's also has a lot of power. You, you can, you can affect tremendous change with it. And I love that. And when I did, I, I ran a consulting company with, a, it was a small consulting, consulting company, only about 40 people, but, and we, but we, and we did, you know, dozens and dozens of projects and all of them kind of had similar type of, of characteristics in that we, you know, we do an implementation, we develop a data warehouse, we put something on top of that. And then invariably there'd be an initial enthusiasm, but then we would look back, you know, three, six, nine months later and what kind of usage are we getting out of it and it was always a big disappointment you know it was always it was always much less than you expected as far as like you deploy if you deploy to 100 people and 30 of them are using it then somehow that was a success and that always never felt satisfying to me it always felt like well there's something we're doing wrong here that that time and time again we're just not able to really generate high engagement and that people despite all of these really cool technologies they're not really engaging with analytics the way that we, 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 we should. They're not generating the value, right? Not getting the mm-hmm. what, what, what I'm in this for in the, in the first place. And so that really motivated my Metric Insights, which, you know, which I guess I should get to what Metric Insights does, right? We are, we are a, uh, a business intelligence portal, and, but really it's all about uh, providing a, a, a tool that generates governance and engagement. It really uses governance and BI governance in particular, um, in order to be able to significantly increase the level of engagement that users have with analytics. So it acts as a single pane of glass that where you bring all of the different BI assets you have in your enterprise, everything from your data science assets to your Excel spreadsheets that people are using to everything in between, like you know Tableau, Power BI, whatever you have, under a single pane of glass where it's governed, where it's wrapped with appropriate metadata, which presented to the user in a way that is kind of a, a, a um, works really well with a user journey, right? So that they can, so that, that it, it, the time to value uh, is such that it work that that, it, that it's suitable for them, and then and then that and, and you know so that's what that's what that's all about. And so, you know, I, I felt like this this mission um, was very much sort of our mission at, when we had a consulting company. But the product was the idea was to say, well, let me see, can we put toge- together technology that will actually make that happen? And and um, and so that's that's why it feels like such a such a calling, if you like, right? that that really resonates with me a lot and i want to see if i can if i can paraphrase i want to make sure i'm on the right 
page of understanding what Metric Insights is, uh, is, is focused on. Because uh, when you talk about BI governance, when I think of BI... Um, and, and business intelligence as a term. And we have all of these terms in the data space that sound familiar, like, oh, I know what business intelligence means. But before I go on to my soapbox, um, well, why don't you just tell us what does business intelligence mean, just so we all have the same understanding to, to start with? Yeah, so I think at the most basic level, everybody in an org, you can think of it as the information that use, people are using in the organization to make decisions, mm -hmm. right? So that means it spans everything from that uh, report that you you're generating that your board and your executives are looking at to, to make the board level decisions about where the company should go to the Excel spreadsheet that um, a particular uh, person is using to be able to figure out is um, am I am I on track against am I spending against my budget am I making the right you know and, and ma or making some kind of ta low level tactical decisions so everything that everything between that gamut all the tools that you that are being used to make decisions with information to me are, are part of business intelligence right and Definitely, definitely. And so, so the way I've always kind of thought about it, and maybe this is useful for, for folks out there, is, is, is in the olden times, olden times of the 80s and 90s, we often were encumbered with, with reports. We would get reports that would be printed out on pages of paper, and we would look at them, and we'd be like, ooh, this is interesting, and that would hopefully lead to some sort of action that would eventually improve those numbers that we got on those reports. And that was fine, um, and it was about the limits of the technology at that point, and that's okay. Business intelligence came around, and, and what, to me, business intelligence really means is, is the evolution of that kind of one directional flow of information to a data consumer. Business intelligence now brings interactivity. It brings an action to that data relationship where now you can say, okay, I'm going to look at this dashboard and I'm going to drill into this thing. I'm going to look at details. I'm going to, ooh, this is interesting over here. I'm going to go dig into that more. And you, you start to get this almost conversation with your data assets that allow you to much more interactively dig into data challenges. Um, would you agree with that? Does that, I, I does that would, resonate? I would, I would say though, that to me it is, it is broader than that in the sense that what mm -hmm. you described is the business intelligence definition for somebody who's doing kind of an analytical function, right? It doesn't have to be, mm -hmm. they don't have to have analysts in their, in their title, but they are part of what they're doing is to analyze data, to really understand trends and do things like that. Mm -hmm. I think there's also, in addition to that, a, a dimension of, uh, to business intelligence around simply the consumption of how am I doing, right? There's sort of that level. Mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily going to be drilling down but I, but I just want to know you know where I am and and then and then maybe based on that high level information then maybe I'll step into that drilling down into the, into the analyst function so I think I think yeah mm -hmm. I think it, I think it's that's a good but that's a good good way to think about it it's a good and, and yeah so I agree with that okay good so I'm logically building here because then I say because because certainly business intelligence has its role in like operations and oversight management of things like definitely agree with everything that you just said when I think of BI governance so now because metric insights isn't just business intelligence you're talking BI governance and so now what we're doing is we're not just being active with the data we're actually imposing our coordination our knowledge and our our direction on the data itself so we're actually using business intelligence as a tool to help make the data as useful as possible by refining it through our activities so now we're we're not just consuming data and using it for whatever business purposes we have we're actually interacting with that data and governing those artifacts in a way that help drive an escalation of our capability set, not just our 
direction with what's been built and, and understanding of, of, of what's there. Is that correct, or do I not have BI governance understood? No, I, I think fundamentally, it, if you can think of it as, you know, you said you have this all these assets in your enterprise that have been built around that supporting that journey you just described, right? To be able to really take a look at the information, make decisions off of it, et cetera. But what happens is in a perfect world, right? What, what that experience ought to be like is it, it ought to be like a, a going through a museum, right? Where everything has been curated for you as a consumer. You know what you're looking at. Every time when you go look at a, a piece of artwork at the museum and you, you know, there's a little plaque there that tells you the backstory, tells you about the author, tells you everything you need to know in order to appreciate and enjoy that art, right? So that ought to be the experience that people have when they're consuming analytics, right? They know what, what oh, what, oh, I've got this visualization. Here's what it measures. Here's the definitions of it. I know that this is correct and I know that this is consistent with everything else that I'm, that I'm, that I have available in my disposal. It's all tied together. In reality, user's experience is nothing like that, right? Like if you go into almost <laughs> really every enterprise, yeah. what, what do people have? Well, they have a whole bunch of different reports and different tools. None of the data actually ties or, or seldom does it. They don't really necessarily know when they're looking at something, whether it has, co what the context is for that, you know, Okay, this says it measures sales, but is this is this gross sales? Is it net sales? How is this sales measurement compared to what I have, what what I'm measuring in this other dashboard or this other report that I'm looking at? Right, there's this whole opaqueness around that, and there's so many different assets because people things get built up over time, and the solution to every problem is go build another dashboard, right? So the 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 problem is that it just it becomes a thing unmanageable. There's just too much information out there. I don't know where to look. I don't I don't see it consistent, and so people just throw up their hands and they go, I give up, right? And this is why. You know, the, 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 there's so little engagement with analytics. Like you look at most organizations and, and, you look, and you look at the BI analysts, right? And you look at how they spend their time. And I, I saw this because as a, both as a consultant and as also as a practitioner when I was running the data warehousing team in the lab, a huge amount of time, sometimes 50%, sometimes more percentage of analyst time is spent not on doing that in-depth, high-quality analysis, you know, data science-oriented or, you know, deep dive, the things that are the really, that their expertise is just incredibly well-suited for. It's servicing sort of basic requests where an executive sends an email or calls or whatever and as asking, hey, where, how are we doing on, on sales this month? What's going on here? Where can I find this information? You know, they're basically like a little Gophers. They're acting as a little a pipeline information, getting people their, 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 the answers to the questions. And that's a huge waste of resources. So governance, BI governance, is about saying, okay, take all the assets that you have, and then how do you really manage them in such a way that you can create, you can take what is today really a jungle, right, of just mm -hmm. feels really chaotic, of, of, of all kinds of information, not necessarily consistent, and create for your users an experience whereby it is much more like a museum. It's curated, and, and, and it works with their, it provides a journey for them, and thereby mm -hmm. it enables just what you were talking about, Anthony, enables that, that discovery process where they go, aha, here's a number, that's interesting, what's going on, let me go deep dive into that further, let me find out what, what what, what answer to that question and they can get that that those responses quickly enough that they'll continue doing it right so they keep on coming back and engaging with the analytics so that's what, to me that's what governance is all about 
I really love your museum analogy because as you were first saying it, I'm like, oh, that sounds really nice. I would love to do that. That museum, we have the, all of our patrons and they're coming in and they're enjoying this highly curated uh, experience. And then as you kept talking, I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no, we don't actually have museums. It's like we're all at archaeological dig sites. Yeah. And I yeah. think about that as an analogy because I'm like, okay, well, I know my, my way around data okay, but like – if I went to an archaeological dig site, I literally would have no idea if what I'm about to like dust off is just a rock or some fossilized animal. Like I would have no idea of what I was doing and I would have no idea if I, what I'm about to throw away is actually this most valuable artifact of all time. Like I would have no idea. And I think that's where most of our organizations are. They're in some sort of hybrid between parts of an archaeological dig and parts of a museum. And like, there's a couple things that have been set aside and we're like, we know these are valuable. And then we, but it's about understanding how can we provide usefulness, even if it's not pristine, even if it's not fully curated, like the best museum you've ever been to, where you have those journeys and you're learning all of this stuff. We'd love to get to that point. We'd love to get some things to that point. But right. there's so much, there's infinite amounts of potential in this mound that's in front of us. How do we start to, to break that down? That, and that's that, where... Yeah, that's right. And, and, and yeah. Anthony, your, your, your analogy is apt there because think about that archaeological dig... Think about how much effort an archaeologist goes through to uncover assets in that dig. Right? They they they've got that little those little brushes that they're brushing carefully and they're trying to analyze. That's that's like a that's exactly what we expect today from a casual business user. We expect our business users to kind of do all that digging to all all, all this find, to find something of value, whereas their expectation is. I'm going to spend maybe two, three minutes a day, and then if I don't find something interesting, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go any further. I've got a bazillion other things to do. And so because of that, of course, the majority of, of, of folks in the business are not using analytics, even though there's huge value, there's treasures in that archaeological dig. But because the, you know, the, the juice is not worth the squeeze, right? the amount of effort that they, that's required to get value out of it is so great, and they're not willing to put it in. Right. And, and that, that's that's the fundamental flaw, I think, in our in our BI infrastructures today. And I could I could take it one step further, because I think that sometimes even though truth is, is that we're in the early days and we're in an archaeological dig and some things are, are known that these are valuable, some things are not. Sometimes people think they're in the museum and they think, mm -hmm. oh, I have data in front of me. I can use this for anything and I can. And, and then I find out later, ooh. I, it wasn't as high quality as I interpret it to be because nobody told me what the quality was. I used it for something I shouldn't. I got burned by it, and now I don't trust anything. And and yeah. that, I imagine, is something that you're addressing with BI governance as well, is helping to help people understand, okay, what can you actually use this for? Th that's right. And and even even kind of to build on what you said there, it's 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 also I'm looking at a visualization that contains information. I share it with my colleague, and then I realize, oh, my God, this was actually had restricted data in it. It's not mm. supposed to be shared broadly within the company, or it has PII data in it. I have to, be, I, I have to really use it. You know, that can happen. And in and, and mm. reality, is the reason BI governance is important is because today, you know, there's some most organizations will do a certain effort, will put a certain amount of effort into data governance. You know, where they're looking and understanding. You know, what 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 are the right data sets? Um, what contains PI data? What's the level of sensitivity? Data classification, etc. What's certified at the data level? But very little is really bubbles up all the way to the visualization level. So so great. You you know you've done all this all this great work to identify what's valuable and, and understand and understand kind of how you should be using that data but if if the end consumer of that does not understand that then they 
could very well misuse it inadvertently, right? And so BI governance is about making sure that, that, as you said, you know how you should be using the information from a data literacy perspective, and also you understand it from a from a, a, a um, governance perspective, from a perspective of you know what what is and is not allowed, and then if, and then you create the ecosystem where more people are going to want it, want to use it because it because you're presenting it more like a museum in a way that it that, that it that creates journey for them. So it's it's really exactly exactly as you say. Yeah. It, it, now now I'm properly terrified because we have the overlay of things like you know compliance and things like PHI and other things that are, that are restricted and, and like very rarely do and, and maybe perhaps my naive view but very rarely are people intending to do the wrong thing yeah. most of the time they're trying to do the right thing but don't have all the information that they need or miss something that they needed to know to do the right thing and that I am sure is as part of, of BI governance is helping people understand um, those, those interaction mechanisms but I want to talk a little bit more about the differences between BI governance and data governance because because data governance I think is is still widely misunderstood in, in terms of popular understanding of, of what we mean by data governance but I'm I'm still fuzzy on where does data governance leave off and where does BI governance pick up yeah that's a great question and the way I, we think of it is that the BI governance spans sort of the entire BI ecosystem and therefore data governance is part of that and analytics governance is the other part of it so if you think of two pieces of a puzzle mm -hmm. they fit together you need to govern your data and you need to govern your analytics and you need to make mm -hmm. sure that that is a coherent experience right so again it's no sense in doing you know people today they invest in there's some great tools out there Alation, calibra um, many others that for, for for governance of data and people will use that and they'll they'll capture all kinds of metadata and glossary definitions and identify certification and do all these things at the data level. If you're going to achieve BI governance, that needs to be integrated and bubbled up all the way into the visualization level so that I understand when I'm looking at a particular dashboard, I understand what are the key KPIs that this measures, mm. what are the what, what characteristics of the data underneath it from both a from both a compliance perspective, but also from a data literacy perspective, you know, where's this data coming from? Is it is it is it the trusted source? Uh, are there is there alerting in place to make sure that the quality is there? All of that, so that that so that that there's entire coherent kind of and, and, and comprehensive governance strategy around the, the the full stack, not just the data. There's an interesting thing, Anthony. I think it is you you said that data governance is misunderstood, and I, I think Gartner did like a a study on this, or there were, there was some number. I saw there were staggering percentage of data governance initiatives fail. I think I think something in the ninety percent oh, yeah. level, right? They, they fail to achieve goals, and it, and it's really because of the fact that that people take too much of a siloized approach to this, and they don't really think about it in a in a comprehensive way where they're looking at well, well, we actually have to take a much broader perspective, and and not just be worried about the data, but look at the consumption models of the data, because ninety nine percent of the people are not consuming the data directly in the database; they're go right. looking at it through. Some layer of presentation, and and so that's where the governance has to has to reach into. You mentioned something; it touches on something that I've been thinking about lately, and I haven't spent enough time thinking about it. But I want to introduce it here: is this notion of because governance 
oftentimes, I mean, we, we hear it all the time, it often fails, right? There, there's so rare that governance is wildly successful. I've asked that at so many talks that I've given at conferences or whatever. No one has ever said we have wildly successful data governance. Like that has never happened for me. Someday it will, I hope. Um, but it's, it's, it's more times than not, data governance doesn't accomplish what we intend for it to accomplish. And, and I'm wondering, is this a sign that data governance, governing all of our data assets, kind of in the mode of modeling all of our data and, and creating a schema around all of our data in the data warehousing space, maybe we're doing this backwards. Maybe we need to try to find an equivalent of schema on read and have governance on use and say, how can we look at the ways people are trying to use data and govern that data at the time it's trying to be used or closer yes. to the time it's trying to be used so that we don't waste so much energy governing data and creating artifacts and populating catalogs and doing all of this stuff for data that might be used someday. Mm -hmm. And then we inevitably run out of resources to do the rest of the data because we focus too much on data that turns out not to be useful and not enough on the data that people are actually trying to use. Is, is From your vantage point, is that a possibility? Is that something we oh, should that, be trying is, to do? That is totally spot on. I think your assessment there, that is exactly why that, that's the most common pitfall is that people try to boil the ocean, as you say, and or they or they do things in this vacuum that they go okay let's spend time let's spend six months and figure out the definition of a customer right and and, and kind of <laughs> yeah. come up with those that you know debate it and do that so this this idea of cover everything or do everything in specific areas to perfection and 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 focus on the supply side of the equation instead of the demand side which is exactly what you were talking about right what we yeah. should be looking and saying is where is it two things one is like you said what is being consumed and how do we make that consumption experience a governed experience, an effective experience. And then where is it that doing this governance is going to actually boost consumption, right? And how can we, how can we use governance, not just as a, let's make sure people don't do the wrong thing, but as, which is a very low bar, right? It's more about how do we use it to be able to generate a much higher level of engagement, data literacy and with this information. And that's a whole different paradigm shift, right? And it also, it's about, I think far too often, People will invest in governance kind of as a check check the box kind of a thing, right? Management says, "Well, we got to have a governance function, data governance function. Let me hire these people, and we'll, we'll and we'll you know fund it a little bit, and off you go, go do governance, right?" They, mm -hmm. And it's not that. It's not. Yeah, sure, you need to have people that are leading that charge, but it is an all enterprise kind of a capability. You need to you need participation from a to, to, for it to be effective from everyone in the organization that's in some way touching data or touching visualizations, and so that means that it it, it needs. A completely different approach and and it needs to be much more pragmatic and it needs to be results oriented results meaning things that the business is going to be able to understand that they're getting something back from it whether that's higher engagement uh higher user satisfaction with bi you know wh whatever it might be higher but, but things that every different stakeholder in the in this whole food chain around this whether it's the person who's publishing the information whether it's the person that's consuming the information through a type of executive that all those stakeholders are considered that they all have skin in the game in the sense that they're participating and also are gaining some kind of benefit so seldom people think of these strategies in that way and then go after things and and, and then that's number one number two is 
strategically you want to have incremental goals. So like you said, don't try to do everything. Go after it from the highest value targets and then move down from there. And that way, not only are you, do you know that your effort's going to yield results quickly, but you can build on the successes, right? You do that first thing, you show results, there's a lot of enthusiasm, you can parlay that enthusiasm into this next area, which is a little harder because people have already seen that it's successful. And that, that's, that strategy is what's missing, I think, and the reason why people are failing so much. Yeah, and and one other thing you touched on earlier around why data governance is failing, and you talked about uh, siloing and the, the siloization of of governance efforts, and and I think when we when we hear about silos in organizations, we often think about the domain siloing. So we have finance, we have marketing, we have operations, we have technology, we have all these different silos of parts of a business and, and the kinds of information that each of those parts of business have. And we, we focus in different areas and people are, are defining things and, and what have it. But then I also think there's a, I don't know if the right term is functional siloing or, or what have you, but we tend in data governance, we focus on, okay, we're going to go create a business glossary or we're okay. We're going to go do master data or we're going to do metadata. Like we can pick whatever data domain or data management type function we're, we're thinking about, but we end up with just instead of illuminating the truth, which I think is what data governance should be in at least in part about instead of illuminating the truth and in clarity, what we end up doing is create one point of view with an extremely bright light and nothing else, which creates shadows and actual misinterpretation of what the truth actually is because it's coming from too biased of a, of a singular perspective. So I think that the one piece that I want people to think about is understand that there's different kinds of siloing out there and there's a lot of blind spots throughout, especially in those early days, like you may not be able to create 150 points of light to perfectly illuminate something. You might get four, but try to put them in different quadrants and try to do the best you can with balance. Otherwise, you're going to start to skew what that thing you're illuminating actually is. Yeah, you're not going to get the perfect definition of a customer, typically, right? It's just, or or any term, or, and and, and, it, and really, why does it matter, right? Like, it's, mm -hmm. it's like you said, it's really understanding, it's much more powerful if you can get the perspectives of multiple parties within the organization, get get nuanced definitions that make sense for the various parts of it, and then identify, understand how those are functionally applied to the to the business in the way that people are using analytics. So, so yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Anthony. I think it's, it's, it's just a, you, it requires sort of pragmatic approach and you know also requires a lot of uh, I think effective governance requires a lot of consensus building and working with different parts of the organization you know and and you know, let's face it, a lot of folks that are in the governance space, the, the place that they feel more comfortable with is data, data or writing mm -hmm. policies or doing things of that nature. There are people that are, you know, passionate about data and they're maybe passionate about kind of, you know, controls and, and processes and things of that nature. But probably, you know, the idea of like getting a whole bunch of people in a meeting, generating consensus and putting together PowerPoint presentations and, and getting people excited about things, that might not be what their, uh, what, what their forte, they feel their forte is, <laughs> but that's oftentimes what's Often, often what's required in order to be effective uh, is you've got to really take a multidisciplinary approach and, and really work with, with a lot of different people and get cross-functional sort of support uh, to, to make yeah. these initiatives work. And and while I enjoy like my my kind of visual example of thinking of like kind of looking at like a museum where you have like a statue in the middle and we're casting light on that that truth conceptually that that works well we can get our heads around it but the reality is everybody it's not just a statue in a museum that we're trying to illuminate that statue's moving changing mm. through time 
having erratic patterns. This is our business. And also there's thousands of them. And yes. that's what we're trying to illuminate. Thousands of statues moving around through the world, changing over time, and we need to explain all of it through yeah. our points of light. That's, well, that's the kind of analogy. challenge we that's have. That's a great analogy. So it's, <laughs> that's, that makes it feel ob- uh, it's obvious why it's so hard, right? It's not, not yeah, yeah. Yeah. Eliminating a statue at a museum sounds easy. Like <laughs> yeah. that's, that's our one customer definition. And then we realize, okay, under one circumstance, we've got that right. Everything else is completely dark. Everything. We have no idea anything else in our yeah. business. And that's what happens, right? So we, we got to keep doing this analogy. I like this one. This one's a lot of fun. Um, but so, okay, let's, I want to think about, because we've talked a lot about like kind of the core stuff. And, and one thing that I know you spend a, a fair amount of effort in as well is, you know, the technology that can support all of these efforts continues to expand. Now, granted, the data and these, these objects that we're trying to eliminate, they're expanding really fast as well. But we're starting to get even better tools to, to, and, and capabilities that, that could maybe help us in this journey. So I'm curious about how this starts to expand into the world of machine learning and AI models and like how do we elevate beyond what is relatively straightforward to understand governance, uh, data governance, BI governance. We've got that. What about this crazy world of machine learning and, and AI? Yeah. Oh, I, I, that's a great question because I think, you know, if you look at most enterprises today, it's like the machine learning and AI stuff is, is just sitting on, it's almost like that. You have like the art pieces, and then you've got the machine learning AI somewhere in the attic or the basement or something. Like it's it's the 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 the, the data scientists know where those mm-hmm. things are, and they use them. But you know, if you were to ask uh, your typical person in the business, "Hey, what machine language models do you have? What what machine learning or AI models do you have to be able to help you with this particular problem in your industry?" They'd have no idea, and they would have no idea where to find it, right? It's it's like that that thing that's been sitting in the attic in in a box that you know the only person that put it there knows what what's there, right? So, mm-hmm. um, I, I think it's critically important that these all of these things, all of the analytics assets that are created by data science team, arguably the most you know talented and oftentimes you know very incredibly expensive resource in an organization, that they're all ava- aligned with specific objectives that the organization has, you know, tagged with a metadata so you know okay here's what what part of the process or what part of the business function is a part of what kind of data is it consuming have all that metadata and have that all searchable and accessible broadly within the organization just like any other bi asset that you have so that if you're looking to solve a problem hey i'm trying to figure out what to do about customer retention i've got to you know i've got to do something i'm trying to study this particular area me i'm putting a new customer loyalty program in place i can go in and i can see okay i've got this tableau dashboard that that's looking at my customer retention i've got uh, some customer loyalty information that was done in business objects a few years ago i've got some key mm-hmm. presentations presentations in Excel that somebody's or PDF. Oh, and there's like three or four different uh, uh, models that have been created by the data science team to look at different behavioral markers for what constitutes customers that are likely to, to, to retain versus not. Right. So having access to all that is very important because then I know, okay, well, here's all the, re- here's all the resources I can, I can pull on. I can make a much better decision as to how I can proceed. I can leverage all these things versus the other scenario where I'm looking at Maybe the things that I happen to know about, I completely ignore all the machine language components, uh, or I mean AI, machine language, whatever it is, and then and then I'm I'm uh, you know I'm, I'm basically then make, not le- not taking advantage of this huge investment that my organization made in in building that stuff, so I'm, I'm making a lower quality decision. 
Yeah, it, it, the the AI and machine learning is getting a lot of attention for good reason because the power behind it is is huge. Data scientists have have long gotten a lot of attention, and and I think we still struggle sometimes at turning that most cutting edge analysis, most cutting edge uh, model driven understanding into actionable business outcomes um, or, or business decisions and outcomes that may, are meaningful to the business. But I think that's where you know the the opportunity is 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 to kind of not necessarily teach everybody how to create models, but to understand and take that pragmatic approach that you talked about in helping to apply them to the business that we have. And that's where I think a lot of times we've, it's another siloing problem. Our data scientists are off mm -hmm. thinking and understanding these amazing patterns and, and potential in data, but there's this other chasm between them and the business and the operations and sometimes even the strategy. Like they may have a conversation with, with senior leadership on the strategy of, oh, this is what the data is telling us. Senior leadership will change the strategy and nobody else will know why yeah. that strategy changed or what to do about it and how to implement it or how to operationalize these findings that the, the data scientists had. And that's where I think, you know, one of the themes for this episode is clearly about being pragmatic and understanding, hey, there's complex stuff all around us, but the fundamentals of business are how do we apply those in a way that we, we can actually see some, some benefit from? Yeah, no, that, that's that's spot on. Yeah, you've got to you've got to be able and and, if, and for the data scientists again in most organizations, data scientists love analyzing data. They love building models. They love kind of finding insights. If you're lucky, at the end of the, they might socialize that insight, you know, with a group of people. But who is really if there's no ongoing process in, in by which those insights continue to build on top of each other and they're broadly available to people, maybe mm -hmm. not even the people that that the analysts built the thing for in the first place but other people in the organization and then it's like that uh tree falling in the forest right where that uh, doesn't make noise who knows they're not no one's there to hear it right so so it's it's just that that and you can't we have to be as a as a collectively as data people we have to find ways to solve for that you know we have to find ways to make sure that 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 you're you're tying things to business value, but they're all making things accessible, building up a continuous sort of ecosystem of content that's that is more and more valuable for the organization. It's widely accessible to everyone in a way that they can they can put it to use. It, it, it's such a great point that I want to emphasize is that people, if you've done the work once, like we, we've already talked, this is all really hard. If you've gone through the trouble of getting it right once, don't have to do it a second time. Get that captured, get that understood, get that so that others can use that. So often the most important stuff, if we governed that appropriately, we provided the right mechanisms for people to tap into it. We would save so many repetitious efforts just because people didn't know better and it didn't know hey we've already done this we've already done this three times here's how you do this thing in your world you can swap in your own variables you can swap in your own details but here is a process that we found very useful for a number of things in our organization we we look at those govern those and we're well on our way to being wildly successful with data governance like yeah yeah like think we about talking. and then you kind of go back to another analogy i think think about how people develop code today right nobody builds code by like writing everything from scratch you use libraries yeah. and procedures if you if you're a data scientists use models I, the, the point is that when we look at bi 
we don't do that. We don't we don't no. go and we don't have a good way to say, okay, let's build upon all the things that have already existed. Let me figure out which of these libraries at my disposal are really is really the best for me, and then use that in, so that I'm really fully leveraging everything that's created. People recreate, go find the data, and then they build out the model, or they build the analytics for, on top of it, and, they, and it's all from scratch. And so, and, and 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 the reality is, you can't just make it the responsibility of the person who's publishing the content to make that all broadly consumed because it's impossible for them to do that. And that's not their area of expertise. Their area of expertise is to build models or to build analytics. They want, the next thing they want to do after they've created this is go solve the next problem, right? Or, or tackle that next on, on the list. You've got to have, and governance is all about putting the scaffolding in place, right? The process mm -hmm. is in place so that as soon as that thing has been published and released out into the wild within your organization, that in a governed way, it is discoverable, available, and consumed by other relevant, in other ways that, that maximizes the value of that over time, right? That's the key. We, we have made the mistake of having individuals do the right thing their own way so many times in organizations. Think back to network shares. Think to SharePoint sites. What's the problem? Like people will put that there and they're the only ones who know how to find any of it yeah. that they've put there. And so that's not the answer. It's definitely not the answer. And and so I completely agree with you. Like we have to have better mechanisms for capitalizing on the things that are built. And and once again, there's there's something to be learned from the application development side of the house, the code development side of the house, because they've developed a lot of those tools. How do we take something that they're doing well and adapt it for use in a different context, um, but has a very similar kind of usage pattern and need for, for sharing and, and, and what have you. So I think, I feel like we have now sufficiently depressed everybody because <laughs> we've talked a lot about the problems and a lot of the challenges or, or what have you. So before we were uh, completely run out of time, um, just... What is some advice for those folks out there that may not necessarily be in the place to, to buy a full solution for this and, and tackle it more broadly? What are some of the things that they can be doing either in their team or in their business or in their group um, to, to start getting their heads around BI governance and, and some of the stuff that we've talked about today? Yeah. So I think it, it kind of goes back to what you were saying before, Anthony. You want to think about what are the most pressing problems that you have today? Where are the pain points in the organization? In a way, and, and it has to be something that's broadly understood. And then think about what can you do to to, to address those, right? From a governance perspective, and, and and you know what what so is it is it about certification? And 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 also I'd say this is very important. First step is to measure where you are, right? So so few people are willing to do that. So you know it's really say okay, well, what is my engagement, right? What um, how many assets of the assets that I have out there? What what is the whole consumption model of that? Right, so you don't need the fancy tools. You can get that data out of your BI tools. You can do an analysis yourself. You can look and survey your, your business users and ask questions about how how easy it is for them to find content. How how often do they understand the content that they're using? Are they using BI at all? You can look at licensing that you have. You've purchased you know X number of licenses. How many of those are actually used? So. Taking, the, I'd say, the very first step, irrespective of whether you've, you're going to buy some technology or you're just going to do something yourself, is to take stock of where you're at, really understand that, and then look and build some kind of a business case internally for what you're going to do based on those results, attacking the things that have the highest impact. So don't, don't boil the ocean, break out the problem, what can you do in three months? 
that's going to have value internally with whatever budget you have. Go after that. Show success. Re go back and remeasure to say, okay, here's how I've I, I've done this. Now look, I've increased my engagement by this amount. I've increased the the the, the my satisfaction level by this amount, and then and then use that then as the stepping stone and and, and build on that. So I think that that incrementalist approach is it's definitely the right way to go. And and it's really about ob objectives and process way before it is about tools. I, I want to be really clear. I mean, we're we're a technology vendor, but but I would be the first to say, don't start with the technology. Start with the goals and the processes and the things that are gonna are gonna you know that you really need to get done. And then the technology should just sort of fit underneath that. That's that's awesome advice. So, Marius, before we go, what's the best way for folks to to find you uh, following the show? So they can um, uh, they can definitely connect with me on LinkedIn, and as well as uh, go to info at metricinsights.com and uh, you know the, uh, the, the send an email there, or go to uh, www.metricinsights.com and there are lots of resources there, and they they can reach out uh, from there as well. Perfect. So, Marius, thank you for being on the show today. It's been awesome. Great conversation. Oh, it's been it's been a delight. Uh, uh, thank you so much for having me on, Anthony. Really appreciate it. And so you all know, I'll also be participating in a webinar uh, with Marius on Wednesday, May 25th. Uh, so check out metricinsights.com. Uh, and then thank you all for joining us today. As always, you'll find more information about our guests and links in the show notes. Go to dataleadershiplessons.com to subscribe and check out past episodes and accelerate your journey with training at dataleadershiptraining.com. Stay safe during these unusual times and go make an impact.